it's really hard <laughs> to get to a place where you are super duper happy with your life and your body and yourself when it's coming from a place of hatred. And so when I talk about self-acceptance, I talk about that from a place of neutrality, of accepting and understanding, okay, here is where we are. Here's why we're here. Here's how we got here. And here's the pattern and the system and the situation that is keeping me here. Facts do not have opinions. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything, and I'm here each week to dive deeper into how we can find happiness and health inside and out through self-love, body positivity, and discovering new ways to be our best selves. Before we get started, a reminder, this podcast is for general education purposes. And while our guest Molly is a coach, she's not your coach. So we always suggest seeking appropriate treatment with licensed professionals accordingly. That said, Molly Goodman is a coach and you can find her membership community at mollygoodman.com, B-Y-O-B, and find her on all social media platforms under Molly Goodman Coach, Instagram for us Zennials and millennials and boomers and Gen Xers and TikTok on those young folks. Kudos to you for going to TikTok. I can't do it. But welcome, Molly, to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. I'm oh happy to be gosh. here with you. Listen, I don't know what's happening on TikTok. Every time I open the <laughs> app, it's just like lights and noises and it's like super <laughs> overwhelming. I'm like, is there not like a homepage that I can just ease into this a little bit? And then I realize that I am that old person. <laughs> well, the thing about TikTok is that it is exactly what you make it, right? So the more that you're on it, the more it knows what you like. So I, I have a pretty curated for you page on there now where it's like sending me all of the body positivity, all of the fat positivity, all of the like single girl life stuff. It's just, I have, it, it's very curated for me right now. So the more time you spend on it, the less you'll see the crazy and you'll more start seeing the and things yet, that you enjoy. <laughs> I want to spend zero time on it when that's what I'm seeing. <laughs> well, um, you have to, so that's all good. <laughs> listen, I just wait for it to come onto Instagram eventually. You, you know, go. all the best TikToks end up there anyway. It's oh, true. I'm true. such an old person. Okay. <laughs> well, Molly, thank you. Obviously you're living the young single life online married almost grandmother me my my goodness my oldest is turning 17 next week so I'm <laughs> feeling my age yeah. and you're a life coach and intuitive mentor which I love the idea of that and I personally discovered you through obviously Instagram because I wasn't <laughs> on TikTok and I think we can all relate to how you kind of own being a former chronic yo-yo dieter and a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist, we here in this community have a lot of that ourselves and strong autoimmune community as well, which I find are very often people pleasing perfectionist type personalities. And so far as like willing to sacrifice our own health for the good of, of all pretty often. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think what's interesting about what you do is that you take some of those stories and reframe and help people instead of trying to chase after 
this nebulous thing that we think we we can all have. We're not sure what it is, but we're all chasing it. I guess happiness after kind of chasing that from other people for so long, right? Like this idea that if I get thin enough, if I get mm-hmm. make people happy enough, if I'm perfect enough, then I'll be validated and feel better. I think what's really great about the work that you do is kind of actually doing the work to shift those beliefs and lean into the intuitive self-trust, as you call it, that you were really craving and going forward, helping others to do that as well by honoring their true needs and observing one's own habits and expanding into that next level or what I like to call like that best version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And what I, I love about what you do is that it gives space for people to be be truthful and honest with themselves about things that might be negatively affecting their lifestyle. And I think we talked a lot on the show for many, many years about that being inflammatory foods and have since also opened the huge preponderance of other things that goes into that, that, you know, not only is that kind of like an ableist perspective from a very privileged perspective of like, you know, having fresh, organic, non-inflammatory mm-hmm. foods, but also that food could solve everything if you're stressed or you're not sleeping mm. or you're not truly practicing self-care in trusting yourself in a lot of these other areas that, you know, for me, it was kind of a huge awakening when I realized quitting coffee did more for my health than all of the food tweaking that I had been doing for years. And I could literally see it measurable on health tests that like my cortisol was going down and things that I really wanted to take care of myself for my health versus how many foods had I eliminated? How many diets had I gone on? How many, you know, all these kinds of Mm -hmm. things to try to solve problems. So I love this idea that while you focus on going internal for validation versus external while also still honoring needs. It's like this gray area I've been finding in the community where um, we can still say, for me, no, gluten doesn't make me feel good. I don't want to eat gluten, but that's a choice that I'm making and I feel good about because of how it makes me feel versus no, gluten's bad, you know, which is entirely different. So I'm excited for you to kind of be here and help walk us through some of that self-trust because bio-individuality and the nuance that goes with it is often really difficult when we're in a world of stress and these different kinds of things. We're like, just tell us what to do. Give me the rules. Versus like the intuition internal part is so much more work. (laughs) So I'm glad you're here to kind of like talk us and walk us through a little bit of that. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of work, but it's so rewarding in such a different way, I think, than any of those kind of quick fix moments of the past that I can recall when it comes to trying to prove that I was enough or had enough or looked the right way or anything. I I look at my life now and I can confidently say that I am both the heaviest I've ever been and the happiest I've ever been and probably the healthiest too in more ways than one. And I think what the nuance about all of this is, is exactly what you were saying in that the trick to all of this is my goal is to meet you where you are, right? Everybody 
is on their own unique journey, on their own unique path. And when you think about how you relate to yourself versus how you relate to other people, it's often how you relate to other people is a direct reflection of what you're doing on the inside. And when you give yourself the time and the space and the energy to peel back the layers a little bit and go, okay, what's actually happening in here? <laughs> what's, how am I talking to myself? How am I regarding myself? How am I speaking up for myself? How am I not speaking up for myself? What am I letting be the priorities in my day to day? When you start to even just acknowledge that there are patterns and habits and pieces of your life that maybe just aren't serving you anymore, that's where the real work can begin. But all of that is so individual. Every person is going to have a different story to tell. Yes, there are overarching themes that I think I see a lot in my clients and in my community and that I can recognize and go, okay, yeah, that's that's this type of pattern. But we all have our own lived experiences that inform that. And I think what's so special about this work is that my job is not to provide an answer. It's to provide you the tools so that you can find your own answer. I'm curious how you came to this work. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and experience? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, my name is Molly Goodman, and I'm a life coach and intuitive mentor. And I came to this work pretty much by doing the work myself. <laughs> I spent years and years and years, like a lot of folks growing up in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, really enveloped in diet culture. I was always, I'm a tall person, <laughs> I'm six feet tall, and I'm also a bigger person. I have always been the bigger person in size and stature. And as a kid, that was always something that was sort of frowned upon. It was something that was a thing that I needed to fix. And, you know, when I was 12 years old was the first time I went to a Weight Watchers meeting. And, you know, I was constantly trying to be the smallest version of myself. And over the years, that messaging was just so ingrained in me that it really created this life for myself where I was just so set on making everybody else happy, making sure that everybody else is okay, making sure that I could be of service <laughs> to people. And at the end of the day, I just was so exhausted. And back in the fall of 2019 was when everything really came to a head for me. My now ex, but my boyfriend at the time was basically asking me to take a break. We had been together for seven years at the time. And he brought up a lot of terms that I had sort of heard about, but not really looked into. And one of those was codependency. And in really taking some time for myself and taking a little bit of a break from my relationship amongst all the other things that were going on in my life, including family issues and money troubles and all sorts of things, it gave me this on-ramp to a lot of self-discovery. And so by looking into things like codependency and people-pleasing, I came across my life coach. And it sort of like the rest is history. Everything kind of just unfolded from there. And soon after that really dark moment at the end of 2019, as we all know what happened in early 2020 with COVID, my life just sort of came to this, this halt. And I had a lot of anxiety and depression, and I just didn't quite know where to go. 
And it turns out that at that exact moment, it was like the skies opened up and the universe is like, here you go. This is your time. And my coach, who was not my coach yet, but who was somebody that I followed very closely, was offering a free workshop all on codependency and people pleasing. And I took her class. I got on a consultation call with her and she talked about a program she was doing. And then I immediately was like, I absolutely have to do this. It made no logical sense. (laughs) And there was something in my gut that was screaming, saying, you have to do this work. And after years of being, you know, in therapy and really feeling like I had done a lot of work and self-help, I still just felt so stuck. And in joining that coaching program, I got to a place where I realized, okay, this is the work. This is the, the actual digging into the stuff and also making a plan on how to move forward. And I think that was kind of the missing piece for so long. And in doing that work for myself, I realized this is the work that I am meant to share with the world. And I think the intersection between codependency and people pleasing and perfectionism and diet culture, which had been such a huge thing for me in my life. And this, you know, yo-yo of trying to be a certain size and a certain weight my whole life. When I started to unpack all of these pieces around perfectionism and people pleasing, I really started to see the the relationship between that and food and that and my body. And I started to understand that the stories that I was telling myself about who I was and how I looked were so impacted by those, those qualities that I held dear to myself of, well, I'm the one who can fix everything. I'm the one who can be this sort of bright light in a dark space. And yet I felt so dark. And as I started to unpack all of that and change my belief system about who I was and how I was, it gave me the opportunity to see that I could then pay it forward and share that with the world and use my newfound skills and and build upon my own skill set that I had already had and create a coaching business and create this space where we're allowed to talk about the messy stuff. We're allowed to talk about the things that don't feel so comfortable. And I really just felt like all of the pieces just kind of clicked into place at the right time. And so it was my own healing journey that really brought me to a place where I feel so privileged and honored to be a guide for others on their own healing journeys now too. I think that's where a lot of us take our journey is in things that we experience and bringing to the table. And I feel like I owe our listeners kind of a bit of a walk away from the diet culture talk a little bit, just because I've been diving in really deep on that. And I totally agree that there's so many things that we weave into it. One of the things that you talk about that I think is a great place to start for people to reflect, and it might show up in their life as diet culture. It might show up in their relationship with codependency. It might show up with their children in terms of what might be referred to as like helicopter parenting, right? Like there's all these different ways that what you talk about in terms of self-trust over Mm self-control. And Mm -hmm. I often think that I was trying to control everything else around me because I wasn't truly trusting myself 
and trusting those around me to not hurt me or not betray me or all these different things. And I think that's where my people pleasing and my perfectionism came from too, right? Like if I just do these things, then that is a way for me to control a situation. And so I think as someone who has constantly done that and is now trying to do the work to unlearn these habits and remove some of that control and perfectionism because of how very clear it is in the science and emotional and physical health on how negatively it affects us to take those toxic traits on. And so for me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to need to like let go of, of X, Y, and Z idea. And that meant that I needed to kind of build up trust in myself, in others, and all of these kinds of things. And that meant that I needed to have more self-compassion for when I wasn't perfect or, you know, have more acceptance for when things didn't go the way I planned and needing some flexibility there, right? Like all of these things were needing to be done together and over time. And they, they I'm not going to lie, it was hard. <laughs> it still is. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also incredibly healing. And I know that I've seen a difference in terms of my health and my happiness in my life over, you know, the work that I've done. And like you, I, I was someone who did therapy for a long time and my youth and all these things. But I think one of the things that kind of has really brought this out in me is this idea of toxic positivity. And I totally didn't understand this because I thought that I did and I'd heard the term, but it wasn't until I was a foster parent that this term was used in a way that I could really think about it outside of myself and then see how harmful it was. And that allowed me to then kind of apply it to myself, right? And so me, one of one of the things that you talked about that I immediately was like, oh my gosh, yes, we need to talk about this because of the ways in which eliminating toxic positivity can improve our health markers by reducing stress and really creating some space in terms of the denial that we kind of find ourselves in in that state. And so just to kind of like give everyone this perspective, because I think it's important when when we're talking about this, I want to I want to give you this thought because, again, it applied so well for me outside of myself that I realized the harm that was causing to somebody else. And I was like, oh, if I behave this way to myself, I am causing that harm to myself, despite the fact that I'm like, no, no, I'm making myself better with this. No, it wasn't the case. So just an example is that oftentimes in the fostering world, it is an expectation both in and outside of the fostering community, that the child be happy because now they're X, now they're safe, now they're secure, now they're provided and cared for, and not giving them space to have emotions beyond being grateful for having a new place to live. And it was so obvious to me when I would meet these children and I would hear their lived experience and no person, even if they were in a neglectful abusive home, wants to be plucked out of their family home and put in the home of a stranger, even if that stranger is trying to keep them safe and secure and provide for them. It wouldn't be respecting their lived experience to expect them to just suddenly be happy that they're there and to only give you their best selves. Like they also need to work through their own feelings with that. And so I think it really allowed me to realize how very simplistic that mentality 
of their emotions is. And, you know, of course, someone is going to be grieving so much loss from all the things that come into being a foster child and at the same time can have um, emotions of gratefulness for being safe, right? Like it is also possible to have duality of emotions. And I I think that also applies when it comes to self-control, self-trust, self-compassion, self-acceptance, like all these kinds of things. We often have kind of dual emotions like that too, and it's okay. So I'm just wondering if there are other examples that maybe you've seen with clients that you work with where this comes out a lot outside of diet culture. Like I feel like that's that's pretty obvious from like a lot of the digging that I've done, but I, I feel like this concept of toxic positivity is so pervasive in our lives. Maybe even just if you could help us define that a little bit and the ways in which you see it in working with some of your clients. Sure. So when I think about toxic positivity, it's pretty much exactly like you said, Stacy, where it's, it's bypassing people's lived experiences. It's bypassing your own lived experience. And what toxic positivity really does is it puts a bandaid on and paints a smile over something when you may not actually feel that way. And I think of toxic positivity as sort of the opposite end of the spectrum of feeling your feelings. (laughs) It's this Either I'm allowed to feel all of the different things at once, like you said, Stacey, where it's, you know, I can be grateful for this thing that's happening, but also be very sad and grieving the loss of something, or I can just be happy about it. And I think there's a lot of toxic positivity out there. I particularly see this both inside diet culture and outside this sort of self-love culture where it's you know, just be grateful, just be grateful, building a gratitude practice, right? Being very grateful for all the things that you have in your life. Absolutely. Yes. A thousand percent. Gratitude is important. And (laughs) there's also such power in acknowledging here's this thing or this circumstance that's just not great. (laughs) Here's this thing in my life. Perhaps it's a job. Maybe it's a relationship, but for whatever reason, it's just the circumstance is not great. And I think toxic positivity is just saying, well, you should be grateful you have the job. You should be grateful that you have the relationship rather than taking a strong look at it and going, okay, well, is this serving me? Am I happy? What does this all mean? And giving yourself space to explore and understand where you're coming from, from your own lived experience, and then deciding, okay, how do I want to feel about this thing? Yeah, I think that's a great example. And I was thinking of also like so many people that I speak with who have stressful corporate jobs and who feel like they need to be grateful that they have a job with income versus truly kind of being aware of some of the harm that that job is causing. And I think one of the things that I wish that I had realized sooner was accepting that that's what was happening to me to create some boundaries around it. Even if I wasn't able to kind of like walk away from that career at that time, or if I didn't want to walk away from that career, there were certainly things that I could have done, behaviors that I could have exhibited or boundaries that I could have created, i.e., 
not answering texts after 7 p.m. or on weekends right. or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. by building in that immediate response and trying to think, oh, if if I just do this thing, this person will be happy with me. And in fact, what it did in a business environment was be like, okay, Stacy doesn't mind working nights and weekends. I'm going to give her more work on nights exactly. and weekends, right? And I think like that concept applies in so many different ways that manifest in our lives, especially I just, I find it so much with the autoimmune community and the people that I speak with who are willing to just sacrifice so much for themselves because they care deeply about others. Many of us are empaths and, you know, we, we care about others. And it's a conversation that I'm constantly having about self-care. And like one of the things that I do is I, I go to Hotel Stacy, and sometimes that's like in my room and I shut the door and I say that no one's allowed to enter for 24 <laughs> hours. And sometimes I, I actually go to a hotel and I have somebody else bring me room service and make the bed. And I just am, am in a quiet space and that's what I need to refill my cup. And, you know, people will say to me, like, how do you do that? You don't feel guilty, like, you know, whatever. And I think the big message that I learned through the pandemic was I do this to be better for other people, because if I do not do this, not only am I shorting myself, but like in full disclosure, I'm not there in my journey yet to just be okay with doing it for myself. I am also doing it. And the story is easier for me to say because I show up better for others when I'm taking care of myself, because I'm a more patient mother when I'm restored, because, you know, whatever that story is for me. And I think one of the things that I challenge kind of our listeners to do is to think about the ways in which that they are letting go of some of the things that they need to do to create some of those boundaries that help others and help themselves. Because I think that that's kind of the first entry point to this kind of like toxic positivity and, and lack of trust. Right. And I don't know if you see it that way of like, if you're not willing to take the time for that stuff, are you really trusting yourself that you'll still be okay if you're not constantly in a state of work. That's another thing that came up for me, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I'm not constantly pushing to work, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. then how are people perceiving me? And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of that did come into play in terms of being a bigger person my entire life. I also was in fat camp while you were at Weight Watchers at 12 years old, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? And, And had a lot of these messages early on and felt the need to, from an early age, prove that I was a hard worker, prove that I wasn't lazy and all these kinds of things. And I didn't have trust in myself to know I don't have anything to prove to anybody. Like, I know that I'm a hard worker. Do you know what I mean? Like, those kinds of mm-hmm. things. This podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley. I've worked hard to walk us away from diet culture. So know that if I partner with a brand with the word paleo in it, it is legit. I personally use and love them because they are the best quality period, including their safety testing and clinical studies to support the validity of any claims. You know, I traded coffee for smoothies last year, and it was a game changer for my health. One of the things that I love adding is their organic super greens powder. It's the only brand that I know of testing for safety. 
Most green powders, yes, including the name brand ones you're thinking of, contain dangerous levels of heavy metals and cytotoxins, and you're like adding it to your food on purpose. Paleo Valleys does not. Plus, they don't include any cereal grasses, such as wheatgrass, barley, oat, or rye, which regardless of what a label may claim, does not sit right with me. So what does it include? 23 superfoods in dehydrated powder form that give my digestive tract exactly what it loves. Six grams of prebiotic fiber, enzymes to help digest it all, and superfoods beyond just greens like ginger, lemon, sprouts, turmeric, and beets. I genuinely feel amazing and energized when I make myself a smoothie with Paleo Valley Super Greens, and then I love to add in their 100% grass-fed bone broth powder. I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention the two supplements I take from them, the organ complex I've talked about before and their essential C complex, which is the best vitamin C supplement that I have found. Most products in the market use synthetic or corn-based sources, while their essential C uses more absorbable camu camu berry and acerola cherries, which provide better bioavailable antioxidants up to two and a half times more. I love doubling down when I travel or if I'm feeling sick to support my immune function since our bodies burn through vitamin C when stressed. Oh, and grab yourself some probiotic-rich fermented beef sticks before you check out. They're my kids' favorite brand and they love the teriyaki, even though it's better for them. (laughs) Wink, wink. Try the Paleo Valley items that I love yourself at paleovalley.com slash thewholeview and use code the whole view 15 for 15% off to maximize your savings at paleovalley.com slash the whole view code the whole view 15. This podcast is sponsored by Indeed. One of the things that I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because it is the hiring platform where you can attract interview, and hire all in one place. Don't you love it when you make a small change and suddenly everything becomes so much easier? That's what it's like when you start hiring with Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job according to Indeed Data US. I personally got my big career break back in ye olden days through Indeed, and they've grown so much since then. So many time-saving tools. And now Indeed has virtual interview options to save you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. After using Indeed's virtual interviews, most employers said it saved them days of hiring time, according to Indeed Data US. Finding great talent doesn't have to be a second job. You can hire faster and better with Indeed. Indeed is the number one source of hires in the U.S., according to Talent Nest. And 73% of U.S. online job seekers search for jobs on Indeed each month, according to Comscore. Start hiring now with $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WholeView. Offer is good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash wholeview. That's indeed.com slash wholeview. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Yeah, that was a lot of talking. I'll let you <laughs> I'll let you kind of unpack a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I think what's so important about all of this is when we peel back the layers and we look at all of these stories, right, all of the messaging about I'm too lazy or I should feel guilty for giving myself time and space to process or whatever it is, that is capitalism. <laughs> that is our world that is built around us and that we have been subscribed to since we were before we were born. So it makes a lot of sense when you look at it and go, okay, yeah, it's not that I necessarily fully believe these things. It's just what I've been taught to believe. So even giving yourself that understanding and compassion for yourself now and your former self who was so ingrained and indebted to those systems and those stories, it makes sense. So to come at it from that lens and go, okay, yeah, now that I understand that this is the system that I'm playing within, how do I actually want to relate to that system based on my true values and the things that I really care about? What actually matters to me? And I think that's where this piece of self-control versus self-trust comes in is because when you think about self-control, what you're really looking at is to combat the system at hand, right? You want to you wanna make sense of a world that doesn't make sense to you, right? So when you're trying to control everything, there's a lack of trusting that things will work themselves out as they need to, and that you have the capacity to figure it out. So looking at it from that lens of, of course, if you grew up in a system where you were taught to seek everybody else's permission, decisions, you were looking for praise from outside sources, to then have to go and source that yourself <laughs> feels like such a monumental shift and almost like an impossible feat. And that's why it's so important to acknowledge that, no, you didn't necessarily create these stories that are keeping you stuck in this pattern of overgiving and overexerting yourself. But you also have the ability, if you choose it, to decide that the stories just aren't working for you anymore and they're actually pretty exhausting. <laughs> so rather than trying to control, control, control and mold everything in a way that will finally give you some sense of peace, it's reverse engineering it and say, okay, well, what if I lead from peace? What does it look like to lead from inside of me and work my way outward? I love the idea of of working backwards and 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 finding that. I want to so something you said kind of hit me in the feels and reminded me of one of your Instagram posts that kind of really it stuck with me in the way that like you I thought about for a long time after I read it in a really good way. And I want to share it with our listeners and kind of like Think about this from the perspective of how it applies in other people's life. Like I gave the, I gave the perspective of, you know, being a problem solver myself, like, you know, wanting to do all of that. And you said, 
As someone who has dealt with a lot of perfectionism and people-pleasing, I can pretty confidently say that my old default setting was fixer mode, which sounds a lot like problem solving. (laughs) If I wasn't being of service, tending to someone's emotional needs, or solving problems, then what good was I? I'm going to read this again for our listeners because I really want you to think about how this shows up in your life. As someone who has dealt with a lot of perfectionism and people pleasing, I can pretty confidently say that my old default setting was fixer mode. If I wasn't being of service, tending to someone's emotional needs or solving problems, then what good was I? And what this hit me with was just this realization of how long this journey is for myself as I for sure have not yet fully detached from fixer mode. I do think that I have come very, very far in so far as becoming a foster parent and realizing that like, I cannot control everything, which means I cannot fix everything. And like, that is still something that I have to constantly work on. And I think goes into this concept of self-control, self-trust, self-acceptance versus toxic positivity, like this, this whole idea. And I'm wondering if you could share more about this particular mindset and maybe some affirmations for us as to what good are we if we're not doing for others? Because I do think that that's also a societal problem outside of capitalism, right? Like we hold Mm -hmm. people up on a pedestal who are being of service and helping others so much that it also creates this culture of, and therefore I must do that in my life versus the realization that that is something you can add to your life, not be your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the first thing is that something I learned in my own journey and through being coached and training as a coach is we are all responsible for our own feelings. (laughs) We are all responsible for our own thoughts and Our thoughts in our life very often create feelings and sensations in our nervous system, in our body that then lead us to do things, right? There's this pattern of here's a thing that happened. We have a thought about it. That thought makes us feel some type of way. And then we do something and you get a result. If we are doing that for ourselves and we're all doing that on our own internally, how can I possibly do that for somebody else, (laughs) right? Every single person is doing that same cycle on their own. And I think what's important here when we talk about being of service is rather than coming at it from the lens of, I have to fix the other person's stuff, it's coming at it from a place of, we all have our own stuff. Even the person helping and the person who's, being helped. So in order to show up as authentically and clearly and confidently as possible, if we all just have this understanding, this baseline knowledge of I am responsible for me and my emotions, and you are responsible for you and your emotions, and I get to self-regulate and you get to self-regulate, 
And understanding that I get to be here for me, I get to have my own back because I am enough. And giving yourself that that core belief and starting to teach yourself and unlearn the need for either you to save someone else or for someone to come and save you. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons I learned is that I get to be responsible for me and how beautiful and loving of a gesture that is to myself to give myself that that positive regard enough to say, yeah, I do have my own back and I'm going to trust that you have your own back too. And that when you need help and when things go sideways, I can trust that we can communicate about what needs to change in order to best serve everybody. And you can also still feel like you want to make improvements. Like, I think that's the biggest misnomer that both I had and then I hear from others. I'm Mm -hmm. curious if you hear this too, right? Like this idea that if you want to become a better person, if you want to, you know, work on things, therefore you, you can't possibly be in a place of self-acceptance or compassion because you're not happy with your current state. And I think Mm -hmm. that's maybe that's something you could dive into a little bit, like the idea of having your back, even while you also are wanting to make improvements on your, on yourself inside and out, right? Like what, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's because no one is going to hate themselves into a version of themselves that they love. It's really hard (laughs) to get to a place where you are super duper happy with your life and your body and yourself when it's coming from a place of hatred. And so when I talk about self-acceptance, I talk about that from a place of neutrality, of accepting and understanding, okay, here is where we are. Here's why we're here. Here's how we got here. And here's the pattern and the system and the situation that is keeping me here. And it gives you agency to then from that more neutral grounded place, decide, okay, how do I want to move forward for here, for this? How do I want to create the next layer in my life? What is that small next step that I can take, but doing so from that more even playing field rather than coming from that place of, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, I'll never have the things that I want, I'm terrible, I'm awful, right? So when you come at it from a much more grounded place of, well, this is what it is, and just accepting that this is the current situation, from there, your nervous system is a lot more able to get on board with you to go, okay, yeah, I feel safe, I feel comfortable, in moving in a different direction rather than bypassing all of the things that are going on in my body that are probably keeping me from that sort of, they're keeping me stuck in that pendulum swing of, I feel really not so great. And then I feel really great, right? It's going back and forth between the two. So when you come from that middle ground, from that gray area that you mentioned earlier, 
it gives you a much easier place to then move forward from. Yeah, that's really great. I'm wondering if we could give tangible ways to do that or to do anything action steps, so to speak, towards becoming our best selves. I like to always leave our listeners with things they can do towards some of the things that we talk about, because I think sometimes it can feel really nebulous, especially kind of as you're getting started or, you know, maybe you're in the weeds and you're like, I can't even do one more thing. And that's fine, too. Give yourself that space to work on what you're working on. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I know on Instagram, you shared, for example, a body pronoun suggestion. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you'd lump that in here, but I'm wondering, like, maybe three things that we could all do this week towards starting to build that trust in ourselves and moving towards body peace and creating some of that self-trust both inside of our body. And, you know, when I, when I say that, I always think of, you know, some of the physical ailments that our listeners might have, as well as some of the emotional work that they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So the body pronouns thing is definitely a good one. And just in general, I think the first thing that I'll share is language. Language is a big piece of any of this work and being very cognizant of the language that you use when you're talking about yourself and when you're talking about how you're moving throughout your day. So really getting clear on how often, let's say you're saying the word should, getting very clear on when you notice you're saying yes to something, when in your gut, maybe you feel like saying no. So number one, language. Number two, noticing those felt sensations in your body when maybe your words say one thing, but your body feels another. And the last one I'll share is sort of the body pronouns one is being clear that you are a whole person in and of yourself. And so regarding you and your body as such, which is why I talk to my clients about regarding their body instead of an it, (laughs) calling your body by your pronouns. So if you use she, her pronouns, calling your body, she and her, because if you look in the mirror And you're saying something like, ugh, my body, it's so ugly. That has a very different ring to it if you're looking in the mirror and you say, ugh, there's my body. She's so ugly. That hits different. It really hits different. And you'll start to notice that you're far less likely to say those things about yourself and your body when you are regarding it with the respect, it, her, she, they, when you're regarding your body with the pronouns that you use. So that's a big one. And then the last kind of piece to tie all of it together is, like I said, acknowledging and understanding and just kind of being aware and paying attention to the language you use, the feelings in your body. And when you are at a place where you feel like, okay, I'm recognizing these patterns. I'm understanding that I tend to say X, Y, Z about this thing, but I want to unlearn that. I want to move away from that rather than going toward the sort of, I'm going to just 
slap a mantra on it and say, I'm beautiful and everything's fine. Moving into that middle space and that gray area and using language like I'm learning to believe that X, Y, Z is true, or it's possible that one day I can believe X, right? So you're giving yourself this bridge, this opportunity to build toward a new thought and a new belief rather than bypassing how you're feeling right now. But you're opening the window just a little bit more to that possibility by using language that's supportive rather than bypassing where you're at. I got goosebumps as you were talking about that. Mm -hmm. And I think it really resonates with me because I have such a hard time with mantras and with affirmations. And part of that Mm -hmm. is my own journey with believing some of the stuff that I'm saying. And like, I'm just really big on truth. It's kind of a problem, but it's not actually, but like things that don't ring a hundred percent true to me feel very uncomfortable and off-putting and not positive and supportive the way that the mantras are intended. And when, when I say, and when I hear you say things like, I'm working on believing that blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. That is 100% kind of where I landed in some of these things mm-hmm. and felt guilty and shame for a mm-hmm. while for not being able to or wanting to put a post-it note on my mirror that's like, <laughs> you're a gorgeous girl. Mm-hmm. D- don't get me wrong. I have a sticker on my computer right now that says you are beautiful. And it's like a mirrored <laughs> sticker. At, but just I think that there's a difference to an approach there that is really giving space for that duality of emotions and for people who find it toxic, the positive approach of saying these things when you don't really believe them, because it is true that sometimes it's fake it till you make it. And, you know, I've seen this in, you know, very detailed therapeutic ways right like sometimes when you're in a dark place if all you're focusing on the dark is the dark place like that doesn't help right and we have to find the light somehow and sometimes the light isn't there and you've got to just like turn on a flashlight a little bit Mm -hmm. so I I do think that there is you know space for a a little bit of fluctuation there Mm -hmm. but the idea of how powerful finding words that you believe yourself and that take you towards where you want to go versus being like, okay, I want to believe blah, blah, blah. And instead of saying, I want that. And instead saying like, wow, you look amazing. When in fact, you know, you're about to get your period and you're bloated and everything sucks, you know, (laughs) Uh, because all that, all that's doing is creating like a, for me at least, like anger and frustration that I don't feel that way versus what I say to myself now is this is a hormonal cycle that is totally normal. And in two days you'll feel fine. (laughs) Like, and just kind of accepting that that's where I am and moving on. Yeah. And the language piece is such an important thing when it comes to self-trust, because how can you trust yourself to your point if you feel really terrible 
and you're telling yourself, I'm great. Everything's awesome. Your body and your brain are going to be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) We feel terrible. I have this vision of like the Lego movie song where it's like, everything is awesome. And like, Throughout the movie, there are things that, like, things are really not awesome sometimes, but they're singing that song anyway. Like, that's not helping. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. So how can you trust yourself if you're constantly gaslighting yourself into believing that everything's fine? (laughs) So rather than trying to force yourself to go from one end of the spectrum to the other, it's about, okay, let's acknowledge where we're at how can I move 1% in the direction that I want to go? Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing those tips. And I know that we're going to talk a little more freely over on the Patreon. So listeners, if you'd like to hear what we really thought in our non-PG rated version, which I've already had to bleep myself on this show, hop on over to patreon.com slash the whole view. It's also the best place to ask questions and follow up if you'd like. If you love the show that we create and produce ourselves, the Patreon is a great way to support the show, but so is just leaving a review and hitting the follow or subscribe button in the podcast app that you're using so that others can find us too. And if you'd like to find Molly, the best way to keep in touch is at mollygoodman.com. We'll put links in the show notes, but it's spelled exactly how it sounds. And at Molly Goodman Coach on Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest. I'm curious about your Pinterest boards. I'm going to pop over. I'm a Pinterester myself. And you have a membership community. Do you want to share a little bit about that with our listeners if they're interested in kind of taking some steps towards this journey? Yeah, absolutely. So my membership community is the Bring Your Own Body membership community, or I affectionately call it BYOB. And it's an online community away from social media where there's a private Slack group and a monthly art journaling session and a monthly Zoom coffee hangout. And we basically get to talk about all things body image, self-trust, and healing. And it's a really beautiful space to come and share and be celebrated and witnessed and seen. And it's a membership community that's $33 a month and it's growing all the time. And I absolutely adore spending time with my members in my community. And it's just a great place to process, to connect, to reflect, and to build toward radical self-acceptance. So if that's something that you're looking for, I would love to see you inside BYOB. I am someone who has found tremendous growth in support groups. So I love the idea of this being a community-based activity because I, I truly think that I wouldn't be where I am in terms of my own growth and support as a foster parent and parent to my biological children if I hadn't found a community myself for some of the work and growth that I've done. So I love the idea of it being kind of community-based and different activities. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing, Molly, and listeners. I hope that will connect again. I was going to say see you again, but unfortunately I can't see you, but we'll (laughs) connect again next week and we'll be over on patreon.com slash the whole view. Thank you.